What up, world? And welcome back to another episode of Locked on Blazers. I am Mike Richmond of NBC Sports Northwest, your friendly neighborhood basketball nerd. We uh, It's Monday night. The Blazers just got walloped by Paul George and the Oklahoma City Thunder. And uh, let's rewind that one real quick. Uh, Paul George basically gave the Blazers a 50-burger. He finished with 47 points, 15 of 26 shooting, 8 of 13 from 3. He made his first 5 from 3. He was pretty much unguardable in the first quarter. And the Thunder boat raced the Blazers in the first half before Portland kind of made it a game a little bit after halftime. But they really had no answer for PG. Uh, he looked like every bit the MVP pl- candidate that he could be. And for my money, he might be the MVP right now. Uh, I know that James Harden has sort of stolen the hearts and minds of the NBA intelligentsia. And that uh, sort of narrative building goes a long way to creating an MVP candidate. And he very well may win MVP and deserve it. He's been incredible this year, and he's just sort of a tour de force. Uh, you cannot deny it when you watch him. But Paul George, if, if the Thunder finish second in the West and Paul George keeps playing like he is, he's uh, it's going to be hard to hard to say no to him. Let's Just real quick, in 19 games in January, Paul George is averaging 31.8 points, 7.5 rebounds, 3.8 assists, and 2.5 steals. He's just been incredible. Uh, you know, the Thunder have slipped up a little bit on defense, and I think that's hurt them to some extent. It's sort of his case for, for being an MVP. But listen, they finished second in the West. He's going to win it. Like, maybe not he's going to win it. He would have my vote if I had a vote. I don't have one. Uh, I lost those privileges. I never had them, but I kind of lost the opportunity to have those privileges uh, when my role changed here at NBC. But uh, he, he was really, really good, and I think that was – I don't want to get too caught up in the game. I figure if you're listening to this, you probably watched the game. But the Blazers didn't have an answer for him. I thought Alfaruq Aminu played pretty well during a played him pretty well during kind of a quiet third quarter. But you know, when he scored 47, it's hard for me to say that someone played pretty good defense on him. Even when Chief was defending him at a kind of high level, Paul George was still feasting, getting what he wanted. Uh, and the Blazers just, they, they were so flat early on. Uh, Damon C.J. really struggled to start this game. Uh, There's another slow one for Mo Harkless, which we'll get to a little bit later on in the show. And uh, and Yusuf Nurkic fouled out for the second straight night. I just, the Blazers just aren't built to, uh, they aren't built to withstand a, uh, a bad night for their three best players or a sort of a slow start for the three best players. I thought Dame got going late and really kind of kept them in the game when they, they made it close in the third quarter. But they're just not they're just not built to be a role player type team. Jake Lehman, another really nice game off the bench, seventeen points, four rebounds, four blocks in twenty eight minutes. Uh, we'll talk about him too a little bit more coming up. But to me, this one was more about what the what the Thunder are. They're just a lot better than the Blazers. Uh, Portland dropped to ten and fifteen on the road, and uh, I think this loss in many ways underscores how bad the loss to Dallas on Sunday afternoon was. Uh, you know. The Blazers are, would like to beat the good teams because they fancy themselves a good team, but you lose to a bad team up 15 heading into the fourth quarter. It makes these sting worse. Uh, this game, second night of a back to get back against a better team who plays really well at home. They're 20 and seven on the on the year in uh, the the peak as they call it in Oklahoma City. Uh, this was always going to be the tougher of the two games in the back-to-back. This was always going to be the one that was more difficult. So you got to just cash in the easy ones. It's kind of been the Blazers' formula all year is beat the teams that are below 500 and struggle against the good teams. So when you're heading out on this short two-gamer, you know you got to win that matinee in Dallas, and instead they face plant and just cannot figure it out. 
and that's a really really that's going to end up being a, a tougher loss I think down the stretch that's uh the Blazers play a ton a ton a ton of road games after the all-star break they have 17 on the road and just nine in the friendly confines of the Moda Center after they get back from the all-star break and that's uh they got to figure out a way to beat bad teams on the road. That Their playoff seeding, their playoff hopes depend on them beating bad teams on the road. Uh, they don't play a ton of truly bad teams on the road. Their, their second half schedule is tough, and even the teams that you might have thought were going to be a little bit down, like Brooklyn, are really good, or at least really tough to play in their building. So this OKC game, it, to me, this it just screams brutal loss to Dallas. It, it, it shades of Luka Doncic or Doncic just carving up the Blazers' defense. And uh, and then you saw another guy do it tonight. Paul George was incredible. Russell Westbrook, his 10th consecutive triple-double, 21, 14, and 11 assists. Uh, a 5 of 19 game from Westbrook. He also had six turnovers. This kind of uh, maybe just sort of what you expect from what he does this year is that he's a little erratic with his shooting. Um, but if you watch him play, he's just toned down so much of the stupid stuff that kind of hurt him a little bit last year. I think he's, uh, I think he's playing at a really at a level that maybe he wasn't at. He def certainly wasn't at last season and two years ago when he was just on a statistical, uh, I don't know, quest Hajj, uh to get statistical symmetry. He was after it. Now he's going to average triple double for the third straight season. It doesn't seem that special. That's how good he's been. But I, I thought he was really good tonight, even if he did very clearly hunt some assists late in the game. Once the bla once OKC took control, uh, this is uh, my first solo recording. So uh, you can see that I'm f five minutes in trying to figure out how I'm doing. Uh, if you, um, if you got questions, comments for me, hit me up at Mike G rich on Twitter. Uh, I'm still trying to find my flow and I'm certainly going to find it, but I'm going to try to bring you as, uh, as many of these little short little blazer podcasts I possibly can. Uh, I think the locked on network is a really fantastic resource for these just quick little snippets. If you're a big, if you're a big time fan of your team, it's where you should go because you're just, you can digest it quickly and move on to the next thing. So I want to make this your stuff. So let me know, uh, hit me up on Twitter and uh, maybe if we become internet pals, I'll even shoot you, uh, share my email so you can find me there. But uh, your input matters to me because uh, I don't want to just talk about Paul George and Russell Westbrook in the games. I want to talk about what you noticed, what you saw, what you like. Uh, when I get back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about some statistical trends that are troubling the Blazers throughout the season and particularly tonight in tonight's game. And then we'll talk uh, the sort of the big question of the day, which is what to do with Mo Harkless and whether Jake Lehman uh, needs a little bit more playing time. So hit me up after the break and uh, we'll uh, keep talking. All right. Welcome back. Uh, the The Blazers just lost uh, 121 11 to OKC. And uh, it was a night where Mo Harkless yet again had a sort of quiet and forgettable game. He had in 20 minutes, he went one of three from the floor. All his attempts were three pointers. Uh, he finished with three points, three rebounds, two steals, and two turnovers. He was a minus four in a game they lost by nine, so maybe he really wasn't that bad. Uh, I, I think this has become sort of the debate in Blazerland. Um, it's the obsession of fans. It's everything I see on Twitter is what do the Blazers do with Mo Harkless? And I don't know if it's as much as a debate as it is fans saying get him out of the starting lineup. Uh, I think there's some merit to that. You know, I, I was – I'm, I'm – Maybe it's uh, watching Terry Stotts too many times that I, I too, have become stubborn with my uh, willingness for the Blazers to change up their lineups. But I think it's just I think it's just too much at this point. I think you've got to try something else because Mo has struggled a little bit. And my 
insight to why maybe Stotts has been slow to make that move is is twofold. First of all, it's like I mentioned, Terry is really he's obdurate, he's stubborn uh, with lineup changes. Uh, we saw this in the 2015 playoffs when he insisted on playing Robin Lopez uh, and. Robin Lopez to start games and, and wouldn't wouldn't bring in Myers Leonard until the six minute mark and then would play in the final eighteen minutes of both halves. Uh, just it was clearly that was the better matchup and he didn't want to go to it. Uh, it. It's what he does and he's been carrying that sort of twenty fifteen playoff trend forever with him. He's he's uh, he's just he when he finds something that he likes and he finds a system that he thinks fits his players. He's he's uh, very slow to change it up and I think that's kind of what where we are at with uh, Mo Harkless in the starting lineup. Uh, you know, I'm not sure that Jake Lehman is necessarily the answer for the starting lineup. Over his last seven games, Jake Lehman has played 29 minutes a game. He's averaging 14 points, four rebounds, and, and about two assists. He's shooting 55% from the four, 39% from three. He's been really good. Those are really good numbers. That is the that is the sort of complementary score the Blazers need. He's been excellent. But part of me when I watch him thinks because Jake likes to shoot it, it's what he does when he gets the ball, it's going up, that playing him more minutes with Evan Turner is actually the best way to go. If the Blazers insist on keeping Dame and CJ together, almost all of their minutes playing together or the majority of CJ's minutes alongside Damian Lillard is probably the best way to say that. I think getting Jake Lehman at least a little bit away from those two opens up his game. It makes him more valuable to the team to find him more minutes off the bench and particularly with Evan Turner because Turner needs shooters and cutters and guys around him and the things that Jake does really complements his game. Uh, but uh, at some point, something's got to give. You know, you've seen Lehman play the fourth quarter, basically the entirety of the fourth quarter each of the last two games. Uh, he wasn't fantastic tonight, but he was clearly the Blazers' best small forward who played in the game. I think eventually maybe we'll see Rodney Hood slide into that uh, spot. Um, I don't think it'll ever be Evan Turner. And, and like I said, I, I, I kind of like what Lehman does more coming off the bench. He's playing 30 minutes. It's about how much you would expect him to play. Maybe he creeps up 31-32 if he plays, uh, with the st- plays like starter minutes, quote-unquote. But he's playing about 30 minutes a game over the last two weeks. That's the right number of minutes, and he's producing at a, like you'd, what you want to see from someone getting that many minutes. Um, but while I was looking, researching for this segment, I found some interesting numbers on Mo Harkless. Like I said, I am your uh, friendly neighborhood sports nerd, basketball nerd. Uh, Mo Harkless has a 12.4 net rating. The Blazers have outscored opponents by 12.4 points in 100 possessions in his minutes in January. That's nine games. Uh, it's the fourth best mark in the team. I wouldn't have guessed that. It certainly doesn't feel like that in the eye test. Also, Harkless has the best defensive rating on the team in January, 98.6. They're giving up less than a point per possession with him on the court. So that kind of probably is another reason why Terry hasn't uh, gone away from him. Obviously, I don't know. To me, those numbers don't exactly uh, lead, you know, hold up when you watch him play the games. But... Uh, the Blazers have always and will always sort of rely on advanced stats. They make a lot of their decisions based on lineup data and based on based on uh, net rating and things like that. That is not only the coaching staff, the way they look at things, but certainly the front office is very analytically oriented. So uh, when you're sort of looking for answers, why the Blazers keep doing this, things that are really befuddling, uh, I, I think maybe digging deeper into advanced numbers is a way to be like, at least understand, even if you don't agree, um, 
I, I like I said, I've, I've long been a proponent that it's fine that Mo Harkless starts. He's not playing a ton of minutes. He played 20 tonight. Actually, the person who felt the rub of, for minutes tonight was probably Evan Turner. He only played 14 off the bench. He hasn't been uh, really, really good in the in the Rodney Hood games yet. He's been sort of fine, but he hasn't been. He hasn't had sort of one of those games where you really can appreciate what Evan Turner does in the in the Rodney Hood era. So. I, I'm with you. I think I've joined the, the crowd that says it's time to sort of get Mo Harkless out of there. I think Al Camino gets unfairly grouped in there. He's pretty clearly the Blazers' fourth best player. Uh, if you don't agree with me, you can find me on Twitter at Mike G. Rich. But he's he's so clearly the, the Blazers' fourth best player that saying the starting forwards are the problem kind of mischaracterizes what Al Camino does. He, he's an un... He's an underappreciated part of this team. I think he's uh, his wonky-looking jump shot and his inconsistency on offense makes people get frustrated with him. But, you know, he got lit up for 47 tonight, and I thought he played well. Um, it's uh, the, Them's the breaks when you guard the uh, the best player on the other team. So I, I guess I've joined the bandwagon. I guess I've joined the the take Mo out of the starting lineup bandwagon. But, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm not necessarily a believer that Jake – Layman is the answer to start. I think Jake Layman is in a really good role and in a really good sort of number of minutes uh, that that it, it it's working out. Like, you know what he what he does sort of fits what the Blazers want to do, and it's there's sort of some value in him having that defined role off the bench. I think the spark and the offense he provides helps when the Blazers sit their two best players. There's just a lot of reasons why I I think he's better as a bench player. Uh, that and that. He sometimes gets to take advantage of, of bench defenders. Uh, you know, if he starts at small forward, maybe he probably wouldn't have had tonight because Paul George mostly guarded uh, Damian Lillard. But you know, he gets a better defender on him than when he gets in with the uh, the bench team and gets to take Abdel Nader and, and Raymond Felton and Hami Diallo and try to score against those guys. So it, he just makes more sense as a bench player. He's getting his minutes. So the complaint isn't about minutes. It's just about Mo and the role. Uh, we'll get there, Blazer. Blazer fans, I, I I think Terry Stotts eventually changes it. I think because they wanted Rodney Hood to play and play right away, they're going to work him in there. But Hood just doesn't know much of the playbook right now. Uh, I think overall star break, they'll they'll they might not be able to you know sit with him every day, but they'll be able to send him stuff and let him look over sets and just more sort of more practice time uh, coming out of the break. They're not going to have much practice time, is what I meant to say, coming out of the break. So getting him up to speed, sort of with more sets and allowing them to have more of the playbook open when he's on the floor is really, really valuable. But, you know, he's, he's in his three games, he's been, uh, decent and he's been really good. And then kind of not good actually against, uh, against Dallas. And he was pretty decent tonight. He was fine. He had some moments, uh, they, they attacked on switches and he's useful. So I, I think he might be my answer if I have to pick someone to go in the starting lineup. Uh, but, uh, I'm sure we will talk about this again. This is not the last time we will talk about Terry Stotts and, and his, as I've seen it called many times, obsession, or maybe, but I would call preference for Mo Harkless in the starting lineup. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, when I get back, I'll give you some sort of troubling trends from the Blazers' loss to OKC and a look at the tiebreakers that we had in the playoff season. All right, welcome back. Uh, this, the uh, tough one after they lose to OKC. Blazers drop to 0-3 against the Thunder. The Thunder officially have the playoff tiebreaker, which should come down to head-to-head matchups in the playoffs. Uh, before we get into some other stats about sort of what, what 
some troubling trends from this Blazer game. Uh, let's just real quick take a look at Blazer's head-to-head tiebreaker stuff. I think this is going to start mattering. Is it a little bit too early to do this? Maybe, but I think after the All-Star break, after they play the Warriors on Wednesday, it'll be the perfect time to start obsessing over playoff tiebreakers. So I'm doing it two days early. You're getting it two days early. You're welcome. Uh, the Blazers are 1-2 and two head-to-head against the Warriors, speaking of them, uh, with one home game remaining. That's on Wednesday. Uh, so if the Blazers win, that's a really big one because, uh, just kidding, it's not going to matter what the Blazers have against the Warriors. Uh, Warriors are going to win the West. Blazers are not going to be up there. But uh, wouldn't it be nice if they split 2-2? Uh, I think the rest of the West matters. Um, so let's run through them real quick. Blazers are 0-2 against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, two pretty tough losses, in my opinion. And they close with a home and away back-to-back, April 5th and 7th, which is the uh, two of the final four games of the season. Uh, it's, I believe, games number 78 and 79. So that's going to be two huge ones the first week of April. Uh, Blazers got to win them both to win the tiebreaker against Denver. I think that could be meaningful. Against Houston, Blazers won the tiebreaker 2-1. Uh, should they end up with the same record as the Rockets, they will win that tiebreaker, have a higher seed. Uh, Blazers 2-2 two and two with Utah. They split them. Uh, they lost the two games by a combined 60 points, but that doesn't matter because they won two others. Um, so 2-2 two, two with the Jazz. It's a good one. They're up 2-1 and against the Spurs and can clinch at San Antonio. Uh, that would be a 3-1 lead over the Spurs. The Blazers are 1-1 one one with the Kings so far this year and have a home game left against the Kings. I'm not 100% sure that matters, but if the Blazers struggle a little bit in the back half with a road-heavy schedule, uh, fighting for a final playoff spot with the upstart Kings could matter. So a home meeting with the Kings to decide one. Uh, And then the the L.A. teams. The Blazers have a 2-1 lead over the Clippers with a game at Staples to determine that one. Uh, A win at Staples would give the Blazers the tiebreaker over the Clippers. Again, not sure that uh, not sure the Clippers are going to be in the picture, but they are now, and uh, and they they play hard enough to be sort of hang around, even if their roster got a, a lot worse at the trade deadline. And the Lakers, one and two against the Lakers. The Blazers were one and two against the Lakers this season. Uh, they've got one more game left. Uh, it's in L.A. Uh, I think that one could be meaningful unless the Lakers face plant and continue to never be able to play any defense. I think that's uh, certainly an option. Uh, Okay, some two statistical trends that happened in the Blazers game tonight against OKC that I think just always sort of point to a Blazers loss. CJ McCollum shot 5 of 20 from the floor, 1 for 7 from 3. The Blazers just don't win when he plays this bad. I know there's this obsession with Harkless, um, and Nurk had a really tough game, and I'll get to him in a second, but... The Blazers are designed to have their best two players play really well. Dame had 31-7-6. He wasn't hyper-efficient, but he he got it together, and he got to the free-throw line 11 times. CJ shot free, three free throws and continued a troubling trend. When he shoots below 30% from the floor, he, the Blazers are now 1-5. and five. Their one win came all the way back November 1st against the New Orleans Pelicans when Anthony Davis sat out the game. So they played a terrible non-playoff team, and... CJ went two for eight, and they managed to win. Uh, they have losses that uh, loss against uh, the Wizards, the loss at Utah, a loss, an earlier loss this season against Oklahoma City, and then a loss tonight at, or then a loss at Sacramento, and then a the loss tonight against OKC. So two of his games shooting below thirty percent this season have come against the Thunder. Uh, it's probably not a matchup CJ wants to see. Should that happen in the playoffs? But it's just the the 
the Blazers roster is not designed to have him shoot below 30% and beat good teams. They're not designed to have him shoot below 30% and beat any team, pretty much. So there's a lot of things went wrong, but if if CJ goes 5 for 20, they're just going to lose. Them's uh, the breaks. That's how it goes. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic, like I said, he didn't have a great game. He did 9-12 and two blocks in 30 minutes, two of seven from the floor, got to the free throw line eight times, or took eight free throws, I should say. Uh, but he fouled out second straight game. He's fouled out. Uh, you know, he just, he, he didn't have his sort of big moments. I, I don't think he had some like super huge gaffes and he didn't have one of those games where he just turns the ball over relentlessly, but he just, he, he didn't have the juice that, uh, the Blazers have seen him have in the past, uh, in games where they've won. And especially against matchups against top centers like Steven Adams, who didn't have a great statistical game, but certainly held, uh, Yusuf in check, uh, the Blazers, in games where Yusuf Nurkic scores under 10 points this season, they are now 3-8 and eight, uh, with their wins against Phoenix, Memphis, and at Indiana. That Pacers win's a pretty good win, so congratulations, Yusuf. Quiet night, and they got the win. But Memphis and Phoenix are two of the worst teams in the NBA. So basically, if Yusuf scores under, under 10 points, the Blazers struggle even against pretty good teams. I don't think he has to have a big game, but he... You know, you know, 10, 11, 12 is what you're looking for from him. Uh, and just a little more playmaking, a little more oomph. He didn't have it tonight. Uh, and this was just a sort of rough all-around game from the Blazers, except for a brief third quarter where they just – they looked good for a moment. You know, got back within five, I believe, is as close as it got, certainly down to single digits. But uh, it's hard to come back from a huge deficit. It takes too much energy. Uh, this It's – it is it – is, continuing the troubling trend you see you know cj and yusuf they've had bad games against good teams uh those nine point games i should i should point out include uh at utah at sacramento uh these are all all of his losses uh that home loss recently uh, to against the miami heat you know it's he's he just uh, they just need Nurk to be better. They it's 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 they need Nurk to be better. They need CJ to be better. As much as it's about the role players and sort of figuring out what to do with the role players, uh, the Blazers need their big three to be really good if they're going to beat team good teams. Uh, that didn't happen tonight, and they'll get another chance to play a really good team. Uh, the Warriors come to the Moda Center on Wednesday night. I'll be there. Uh, I'll have something posted on NBC Sports. Northwest.com uh, after the game on Thursday morning. Uh, I'll probably have another pod coming for you guys then after that game too. But uh, it seems like it is sort of an annual trend that the Warriors don't play very well in their final uh, home game before the All-Star break. Uh, they've done it back-to-back years. They played the Blazers in that game. Last year, I guess Durant had 50, played pretty well, but uh, the Blazers won and then they ripped off 13 straight. Um I will, uh, I'll talk to you then. I appreciate you guys listening. Like I said, hit me up on Twitter at Mike G. Rich, and uh, we'll do this again soon. Thanks, guys. Peace.